already mentioned we're finishing up 21 days of consecration to the Lord. Uh, many of you are fasting to the Lord. Some of you are fasting food. Some of you are fasting other things that uh, uh, may be just about as difficult. Some of you have given up television. Some of you have given up social media. Some of you have given up different things that uh, were taking a lot of your time and distracting you from your prayer time and your Bible reading time. And I trust that this has been a, an exciting 21 days for you and that you have really moved into the heart of our Lord. Um, we've been talking about fasting each Sunday uh, for the last three weeks, and today we're going to wrap that up. Last Sunday morning, I talked to you about hope and uh, the fact that, that fasting helps you to focus uh, on and get the mind of God. And when you do that, you realize there's always hope. Regardless of what you're going through, there is always hope in the Lord. Always. Our God is a God of hope. Amen? And uh, so today, I want to kind of cap that off and finish up this series dealing with fasting and consecration of the Lord by talking to you about the fact that fasting helps navigate from hope to reality. It's one thing to have hope. It's another thing to see those hopes that we have become real. Amen? Become a reality. So we're going to talk about that today. My text is in Hebrews chapter 11. First couple of verses. Many of you can quote these. Um, if you can't, just look at it on the screen and read them along as I read. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. And it's the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. By faith, the elders obtained a good report. Now, to get this message today, you've, you've got to embrace the fact that there is hope. And if you weren't here last Sunday and, and you want that message, just check the archives on our media website and go back and listen to that message because that's what I talked about last Sunday. If there's one thing that I hope you got out of last Sunday's message is that there is hope. Make sure that your neighbor has that um, as we get started. Help me get this message off the ground this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, there is hope. There is hope. We got to remember that. There is hope. Now, let's see how fasting will help us to na navigate from our hopes right on into reality. Um, I'm, three things I'm going to mention to you. I'm not going to preach a long time this morning, Lord willing. Um, first of all, fasting helps us to get a proper concept of God. You'll never begin to take those hopes that you have and see them become real unless you have a proper concept of God. And it's the enemy's business to try to distort God in your thinking, to try to make God appear to be something that he is not. I'll give you an example of what an improper concept of God is. And uh, to do that, I'm going to take you to Matthew chapter 25. I won't read the verse yet. I, I, I'm not going to read this whole story because it's quite lengthy. But I will read a couple of verses of it in just a moment or two. But let me give you the background. Many of you are familiar with this. Jesus is giving us a parable that we refer to as the parable of the talents. Remember that story? 
man had a lot of people working for him. He called some of his servants together and he gave them talents. One guy gave five talents to, another guy gave two talents to, another guy gave one talent to. And he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be busy while I'm gone, see what you can do. And uh, I'm going to take a journey. When I come back, we'll check up on things and see how you did. And so he leaves for his journey. And, uh, and two of these guys are really excited. They're excited because their, their master has trusted or entrusted in them these talents. And so they get at it immediately. Boy, they're, they're turning the world upside down and things are going really good. And after a while, the master of the house returns and he calls these servants together and he calls the guy with five talents and said, how do you do? Man, he steps up, grinning from ear to ear, as excited as he can be, positive about the whole experience. And he said, master, look at this. You entrusted me with five talents. I put it to work and they have doubled. I've gained five talents more. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. And he called for the guy with two talents. The guy with two talents steps up with the same enthusiasm, with the same positive attitude, with the same excited expression on his face. And he said, look at this. Thank you for entrusting me. Here's the two talents that you gave me. And I've doubled it. I've got, I've got twice as much as you gave me. And then he comes to the one talent guy. And he steps up with a long look on his face, all downcast, shoulders stooped, head bowed, with a negative attitude. And this is what he said. It's in verses 24 and 25. Let me read them to you. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. And I was afraid and I went and hid, hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what's yours. Wow. Now, if you read the rest of the story, you'll discover that while the master was very complimentary and rewarding to the two positive guys, he was very harsh on the guy that had the wrong concept of him. I think he was more upset with the concept he had about him and the fact that he failed in his effort to produce. I don't think it's as much about production as it is perception. And I know a lot of people today who have just this kind of perception. By the way, in this story, we can make an application of this story, and I think it fits the story, by saying that Jesus is, is teaching us here something about the relationship between God and us and we're the servants. He's the master. And, and some folks serve the Lord with a, with a bright outlook and a wonderful uh, experience in serving the Lord, while some people have this un, uh, unrealistic fear of the master. By the way, it may be from your background. I don't know what kind of background you grew up in, what your church experience was early in life, but... I came up in one of those churches that was um, very, very legalistic and very hard on you if you did wrong. In fact, I, I don't know whether there's anybody in here old enough to remember when churches did this, the most ridiculous thing that we ever did, and it certainly hurt us in the early days of, uh, of, of our existence. We used to have what we call quarterly conferences. That means four times a year we called all the membership together. And then we called the membership roll, and you had to stand and give an account of yourself. 
And, and when you got done giving account of yourself, then the floor was open to see if anybody had anything on you. And if they did, buddy, they'd stand and let you know. Uh, they would stand and let you know. And, and they'd say, I, I saw brother so-and-so somewhere. I, and I saw sister so-and-so, you know. Um, and, and, and then we'd take care of business right there. Okay, you're not living up to the standard of the church. Somebody make a motion that we turn this member out. Somebody make a motion. Somebody second it and say, you can hit the door. We don't need you anymore. You don't meet our scale of, um, of uh, responsibility here. Um, how many of you are glad we got away from that? <laughs> now, here's the problem with that. That will give you an unhealthy concept of your heavenly father. And I, I grew up in, in that, that kind of atmosphere. That, a lot of my early childhood serving the Lord was out of fear and trembling. That, that I thought God was this, this, this huge judge sitting on this huge judgment seat uh, up in the sky. And he's, he's watching the whole earth. And, and, and he hones in on me. And he's watching. And if, if I mess up, whap, he's going to get me. Listen, folks, if God wanted to get you, you would have already been gotten. Believe me, God could get you anytime he wanted to, if he wanted to, because he holds the breath that we breathe in his hand. He could shut your breath off. You gone in just a few minutes, folks. It doesn't take long. If God wanted to get you, he could get you. But that's an improper concept of God. And that's the concept that this one talent guy had. He said, I, I knew you that you were a hard man. He saw God as a hard judge. And then he said, I was afraid. Sister Joy talked about fear a while ago in the, in the area of your finances. It doesn't matter what area it is. The enemy comes to try to instill fear in you. And that's not of God. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Now, there is a reverential respect that is sometimes referred to with the word fear about God, and we should have that. Uh, that that's the same kind of respect I had for my dad. Um, my, my, my dad was respected, you understand. But I was not afraid of my dad. When I was a little boy, my, my dad, I, I respected him. I didn't talk back to him. Boy, what a lost concept that is in culture today. <laughs> but in my day, you didn't talk back to your parents. You understand what I'm saying? Because you had a reverential respect or fear for them because that was not allowed. But I wasn't afraid of him. I'd run, jump in his lap. I wasn't afraid to put my hands on his face, mess up his hair tussle with him when I got bigger. I wasn't afraid of him, but I respected him. What we, we're supposed to respect God, but we're not supposed to be afraid of him. In fact, we're supposed to come boldly before the throne of grace as his children and make our requests known to God. This guy was serving God out of abject fear that he was going to mess up and that he's going to be in trouble. And that fear literally paralyzed him. And he wasn't able to be productive at all. 
I hope God will help you to get over that this morning if that's, if that's the, the way you're serving God. Now, let me show you a proper concept of God. I'll stay with the book of Matthew. We'll just back up to chapter 7, and let me read these verses to you. By the way, before I read these, one of the things that Jesus came to do on this earth was to show us our Heavenly Father. Remember over in John 14 when Jesus gave us that beautiful passage, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you. I go prepare a place for you. If I go prepare a place for you, I come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. Later on in that chapter, Philip says to him, if you would just show us the Father, he's speaking to Jesus, if you'd just show us the Father, it would, it would suffice us. It would be sufficient. If we could just see the Father. And, and Jesus turned to him and he said, oh my goodness, what's wrong, Philip? Have you been with me all this time and you haven't seen the Father? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. In other words, this morning, church, if you want to see your heavenly Father, get in the four Gospels and just look at the life of Jesus and you will see the Father. He shows us his character. He shows us the characteristics of his personality, of, of, his, of everything about him. So when you see Jesus, you're seeing the Father. He came to show us the Father. Now, Jesus not only showed us the Father by demonstrating it in his everyday life for three and a half years of his ministry that's recorded in the four book, uh, books of the New Testament, but Jesus also told us some things about the Father. Listen to what Jesus himself says about the Father in Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 7. Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son were to ask for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Look at this. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? I love that phrase. Say it with me. How much more? Say it again. How much more? Will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those that ask him? Now, there's a proper concept of your heavenly Father, right straight from the lips of Jesus himself. And that would help us all. I remember many, many years ago, Oral Roberts um, used to have a, a weekly television program back in the days of his crusades and then the early days of building Oral Roberts University. And he suddenly just changed the whole format of his program. He changed his theme song. He changed everything. And I remember when it happened, when he started. He, the world action singers learned a new song, and they started singing in the beginning of every, problem, every program. You remember, you remember the song, God is a Good God? Anybody remember that? God is a good God. And Or Roberts would come out and look straight into the camera, and he'd say, God is a good God. Do you know he got some criticism for that? There were people that said, oh, my goodness, you've run off the deep end now. You're not preaching judgment. If you don't preach judgment, people's not going to live right. They're not going to serve God. They're not going to understand what God is. They don't understand anything about hell and judgment and all of that. 
All you're telling them is that God is a good God. Let me tell you, Jesus started this, not Or Roberts. Amen. Jesus said, if you people, and, and the best thing he could use to help us understand what he's talking about is our own relationship with our children. If you have a good relationship with your kids, if you love your kids, you know good and well, parents, that sometimes Christmas excites you as much as it does the kids. Because you can hardly wait to give them that something that you know that they've been wanting and, and, and you've been saving for and you've been working for and you've been trying to find just the right one, just the right color, just the right everything. And, and on Christmas Day, the, the excitement, you've got your camera ready, you've got everything. You're as excited as they are when they open that gift. To, you, you just explode with, uh, with joy seeing the excitement on their face when they open and see what they've received. Jesus said, just like that, your heavenly father loves to give good things to all of his children. Amen. His eyes this morning are not running. Give him praise. He's worthy of it. His eyes this morning are not running to and fro in the earth, just looking for who can, he can get and who he can uh, uh, bat down with his judgment and his wrath. No, 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 no. His eyes are running to and fro in the earth looking for those who were worshiping and serving him that, that, that are living on, in such a way in connection with him that he can bless them. His children, he just, he just desires to bless them. He just desires to give good things to them. That's the heavenly father that we are supposed to serve. And if you'll fast and pray and seek the Lord, the closer you get to God, the more that concept of God will become real to you. Because the closer you get to God, the more you realize that his loving arms are waiting to embrace you. That, 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 that he will love you like a, like a wonderful father would, a child that he dearly loves. Now, I know for some people it's terribly hard for them to get this concept of God because they had a bad experience with their earthly parent, especially dad. Sometimes that uh, people who are, grew up in an abusive situation, whether they were abused physically or mentally or sexually or however they were abused, it's that then they have this horrible thought of father. Well, let me tell you, what if, if there is a shortcoming anywhere in your experience with your earthly father, just set that aside because that's not the way your heavenly father is going to treat you. Your heavenly father will never abuse you. Your heavenly father will never misuse you. Your heavenly father will never mistreat you. Your heavenly father will never fall short. Your heavenly father will never come up lacking. Your heavenly father loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son son to bring you into the family of God. Give him praise. He's worthy today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second thing, fasting will help you to get a good report. Now, just as I talked about the, the misconcept that some people have of God, illustrated by the one talent man, I used to I used to have a misconception of this passage in Hebrews chapter 11. In, in fact, I'll, I'll share more in just a little bit of this. But, but, but remember, the, the 
text this morning that I read to you says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, that's talking about faith. Let's put that second verse up on the board here or on the screen. By faith, the elders obtained a good report. Now, if you're familiar with Hebrews chapter 11, you know that Hebrews chapter 11 is the, is the faith chapter of the Bible. In fact, it's like a hall of fame of the faithful. It's got a whole litany of experiences and, and, and names of great men and women who served God. And, and they made the hall of fame of the faithful. Just one right after the other, starting way back with Abel and right on down through Abraham, Moses, and it just goes on and on and on with just one right after the other, these great people of faith. Now, I used to read that, and then I'd read verse 2 that says, by, by faith they obtained a good report. And here's the concept that I had in my mind. I thought that that meant that these people were faithful to God, and then when they died and stood before God at judgment, they got a good report card. In other words, God handed them a report card and there was a big old check on it. You made it. You made it. Now, that, that's not way off base because Jesus did say that there is a judgment of rewards where our works are going to be rewarded and, and the Lord is going to try our works as if by fire. And uh, some of our works, if they were out of the wrong motive, uh, will look like wood, hay, and stubble, and they'll just, they'll just blaze away and be gone. But there are other things that we do for Jesus. And, and Jesus said, you can't even give a cup of cold water in my name and lose your reward. So if we did it with the right attitude for the right purpose and our, our, our works are tried, then Jesus is going to say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of my Father. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you rule over many. But now, that's the judgment of rewards that our works are tried. Salvation is not by our works. Do you understand that? You're not going to stand before God on judgment day to see whether you're saved or lost. You stood before God to see whether you're saved or lost when you went to the cross of Calvary. Amen? And, and he judged you a sinner but he judged Jesus and his sacrifice as sufficient to redeem you from your sins. And so he washed your sins away. You became a child of God. It's not our works that get us saved. It's his work that gets us saved. Amen. It's what he did on the cross of Calvary that gets us saved. Not, not what we do. But we are rewarded and blessed for the things that we do for him. Now, I, I, I th in my mind, I had it. That, that at the end of the way, they got a good report. That's not it at all. And I'm going to show you in just a minute. By faith, they obtained a good report. By faith, they obtained a good report. That's how they were able to do the great exploits that they did. Not that they got a good report at the end, but they got a good report at the beginning. Let me just take a couple of them and show you what I'm talking about. Let's look first at Abraham, Father Abraham. Hebrews chapter 11 started verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Now, here's, 
Here's the way I preach this, and I'm embarrassed to tell you, but in, in my younger days, before I got some revelation on this, I used to talk about Abraham and that test that he went through. And I talked about Abraham, how, how he left home that day, knowing that he's going to have to sacrifice his son. And his heart's as heavy as lead. And he's making that long journey to that old scraggly mountain. It must have been the ugliest mountain he ever looked at, Mount Moriah. And, and, I, and I talked about he, he labored to climb up that mountain just knowing that, 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 that he's going to have to offer his son and how terrible. Do, do you know that's not it at all? That's not the way it happened. Here's the way it happened. <laughs> you know that Isaac was the son of promise. You know God gave him Isaac after he was 100 years old. And, and, and his wife was 90 years old. And, and God performed a miracle on this couple and renewed their youth. And, and here's, their, here's their son, the son of promise. They even named him laughter. Everybody's laughing. <laughs> look, at, look at that couple. Is that your great granddaddy? No, that's my dad. You know? Uh, and, and they named him Isaac, which means laughter. I mean, he brought joy. He was the spotlight of his life. He was his, his life was wrapped up in Isaac. I mean, everything was wonderful. And one day God said to him, hey, Abraham, you really trust me? Abraham said, God, I sure do. He said, well, let's, let's put this to the test. If you really trust me, I want you to take Isaac and go up to Moriah and offer him there as, a, as an offering on, a, on an altar. Make him the sacrifice, just like you'd offer an animal, offering to me. Now, can you imagine initially what that message must have felt like to Abraham? But here's how it happened. Abraham got to thinking about that. And he went back and reflected on the Word of God. And he got a hold of God in prayer. And he was reminded of the promise of God that said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called. And he just, here's what he did. He got a good report before he ever left home. How do you know that, preacher? I'll tell you how I know it. Bible said he got up early the next morning. Let me tell you, if that had been my test, I'd have, I'd have got up as late as I could. Man, I'd have, I'd have stretched that thing out. Can you imagine this is going to be the last day of your son's life? You'd, you'd stretch that day out just as far as you could stretch it out. Not old Abraham. He was up early the next morning. He's ready to go. He ready to go. Here's the, he didn't understand what he was going through. He didn't understand what God was asking him to do. He didn't understand the trial. He didn't understand the test. He didn't understand anything about his circumstances, but he knew the word of God. He had a good report. God had promised this would be, this would be, this would be the father of the generations that were coming after him. And he just stood on the word of God. He had a good report before he left. And that's why he took off early the next morning. Praise God, let's get this thing over with. I don't know what in the world God's doing, but let's get it on. And he takes off. They get to Moriah. And Isaac looks at him and said, Daddy, I can't figure this out. I see here you got the fire. I see you got the wood. I saw you sharpening your knife. But where's the, where's the sacrifice? You said we were going there and worship. By the way, he said they were going to worship. 
Can you imagine calling it worship? The only way he could do that is because he already had a good report. He knew he was going to have revival on that mountain. He didn't know how it was going to happen. He said, if God has to, he'll just have to raise him from the dead. But I got the promise of God. I got a good report right here. This is what the Word of God said to me, that Isaac's going to be the one. And so he said, and, and here's where the, the, the old man, Abraham, became a prophet. He said, son, God will provide himself a sacrifice. He had no idea that thousands of years later, right there on that hill, God was going to offer his only begotten son, who would be the sacrifice that becomes the savior of the world. Oh, praise God. Right there in that area is where Jesus hung on a cross thousands of years later. But they, they, they went up there, and you know the rest of the story. They got up there, and, and uh, Abraham put him on the altar, and, and Abraham even got to the point of drawing back with a knife and was about to come down and take Isaac's life. When the voice of God spoke to an angel, grabbed his hand, whoa, 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 God knows now that you trust him. And said, in fact, while you were climbing up this side of the mountain, God had a ram coming up the other side of the mountain. And he's caught over there in a thicket. You go get him and give him a sacrifice. So he cuts Isaac loose. And they had a glorious time worshiping God on the top of that mountain. Here's what I want to say to you this morning. You don't have to understand all about your circumstances. They, they don't have to make sense all the time because they're not going to. You're going to go through some things in life that makes no sense whatsoever. You're going to go through some things in life that you'll have a thousand unanswered questions about. You're going to go through some things in life that nobody around you is going to be able to understand or help you with words that will give you the, 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 the proper understanding that you're looking for. It won't make any sense. But I'm here to tell you this morning that if you'll... Focus on God in fasting and prayer before him. God will give you a good report and you can get a hold of the report of God and you can believe what God says and God will make it turn out all right in the end. Amen. Amen. Let me give you one more right real quick here. Moses, Moses, drop down verse 23. But by faith... Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Now, that's the new King James Version. The, the old King James says they saw he was a proper child. And if you'll do a little research on that, you'll do, you, you will find out that they saw by faith something in their son, Moses, that was special. And they knew that God had given them Moses for such a time as this. And in fact, the Bible says that Amram and Jochebed, daddy and mama of Moses, because they saw what God had given them here, that they were not afraid of the king's commandments. What was that? That was faith in a promise. They had a good report. That's why they made that little ark and put him out there in the bulrushes. That sounds so neat and and it sounds like a lovely little Bible story. They take the little ark and they put the little baby Moses in it and they put him out there in the Nile River. <laughs> Would you put your baby out there with the alligators? Huh? I, listen, they had a good report. They knew that they'd already prayed this thing through. They already knew that God was going to take care of this boy. 
And God did. I love this story because you know what happened. Pharaoh's daughter came out and, uh, and they had, had kind of sectioned off a little uh, area there and they had people watching so the alligators couldn't get up in there. And, and, uh, and, and she's going to take a bath there in the river and she sees this little ark and she opens it up and there's little Moses and the little baby's crying, just won her heart. And she took him home and, and uh, Moses' sister Miriam said, uh, do you need somebody to nurse that baby? And she said, yeah. She said, I think I can find somebody for you. And she went and got her own mom, Moses' mama. And, and she took care of him until he was weaned and he was raised. Look, look what God did. God made the devil pay the, pay the, uh, 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 the nursery bill. He made him pay the diaper bill. He made him pay the milk bill. He made him pay the school bill. He raised him in the university of the devil, and he still turned out right because they had a good report. Amen? You can get a good report. If you'll drive your heart, yourself into the heart of God through your consecration, whatever it takes, if it takes more prayer, then pray more. If it takes fasting, fast. Do whatever you have to do. But drive yourself into the heart of God until you get a good report about your situation. And I can promise you, God will bring you through with victory. He always does. Third and finally, <laughs> fasting helps you stand on the principles of faith. Let me go back to Hebrews chapter 11. I, I read the first two verses from my text. Let me jump down to verse 4 and read several verses. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By the way, that'll also help you with your concept of God. If, you, if you've got faith, if you've got faith, you've got to come to God by faith. And faith helps you to know in fact, if you come to God, you've got to believe that God is a good God because he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Now, I read three. There's a whole bunch of them in this chapter. Here's three, and I'm going through them really quickly because I want you to see a progression here as you draw nigh to God. There is a progression of activating your faith. Now, I know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's how you get faith. But then you need a way to activate that faith because it's active faith. Now, faith is. It is activated faith that brings the promises of God into reality in your life. It is an active faith that moves you from hopes to reality. All those things that you've been hoping for and praying for. If you're going to move them from hope to reality, you've got to have that activated faith. And it comes in steps of progression. And you see it right here in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. First of all, there was Abel. When I read that about Abel, Abel worshiped God. Say that with me. Abel worshiped God. That's where it starts. You've got to become a worshiper. You've got to become a worshiper. 
Brother Steve talked to us this morning about worshiping the Lord, how important it is that we just go ahead and tell our flesh, get out of the way. I'm going to worship God. Amen? I'm going to worship God. Become a worshiper. Able worship God. Then the second one was Enoch. Enoch walked with God. And, and in fact, the Bible, if you go back to the 1611 translation, said that Enoch walked with God and he was not because God took him. In other words, Enoch worshiped God to the point that he just got so familiar with God and the presence of God and God enjoyed being with him because God inhabits the praise of people. And so God just started hanging out with Enoch. And I heard a guy say it this way one day, Enoch and God were hanging out together and, and they were just walking along and it, before long the day was gone and night was coming on. And God said to Enoch, hey, Enoch, you're a long ways from home. You're closer to my house than you are yours. Why don't you just go home with me? And he just was translated, just went right on home to heaven. He walked with God. If you'll worship God, become a worshiper, you'll learn to walk with God. And God will walk with you. I love that old song, hymn, many years ago. And he walks with me and he talks with me. And I tell it, he tells me that I am his own. He will walk with you. Then Noah worked for God. That'll get you to the point where you can be productive in the kingdom of God. Too many people are trying to work for God that's never learned to worship God. And they don't know how to walk with God. And they try to work for God. It's like giving a toddler who hadn't learned to walk yet a hammer and a nail. He'll tear your house up. He can't, he can't work yet. It's, it's, a, it's a maturation process. You've got to mature from step one to step two before you can be as effective in step three. Sometimes we try to get people to work for God before they've learned to worship God and walk with God. And, 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 and then you wonder why you have all these colossal messes around. It, it's, it's, it's giving kids tools before they're prepared to work, to, to use them. But it's a process. Are you, are you moving through the process? Have you become a worshiper? Are you walking with God? If you are, then maybe it's time you start working for God. Amen? Get busy in the kingdom. You'll find out. <laughs> yeah, give him some praise. He's worthy of all we can give him today. If you will take it in these progressive states, steps that I'm talking about, when you get to the working part, you'll find out that working for God's not a drudgery. Working for God's not a burden. In fact, Jesus said, if you'll come to me with your labors and all you heavy laden folks, I'll give you some rest. If you want to work with me, just take my yoke on me, on you and learn of me for I'm meek and lowly of heart. You'll find rest for your souls because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Working for the Lord is not a chore. Working for the Lord is not a drudgery. Working for God, not if you've learned to worship God and walk with God, then it'll be joyful. You'll be like those first two servants that came to the master and said, wow, we got to work for you. Look what happened. We became productive. God will make you productive in his kingdom. God will make you a part of what he's doing in this world. And you'll be excited about it. And it'll be a joy and the joy of the Lord will become your strength. Oh, praise the Lord. Will you stand with me, please? I want the prayer team to come and praise the Lord.
if you have not yet gotten a good report, then I want to urge you on this final Sunday morning of our 21 days of consecration to the Lord, I want to encourage you to come to the altar before you leave here and get a good report. Just get before the Lord until you get a good report because God's got a good report for you. Amen? It may not, it may not answer all your questions and it may not be an instant solution to all your problems, but when you get a word from God, you can stand on it, brother, and you will make it through the storm and you'll get to the other side. I, I was looking for a, an illustration to finish this message with this morning and Several came to mind, and most of them I've used before, and I didn't want to just repeat the same old thing. And suddenly it dawned on me that, that right in our congregation is a perfect example of getting a good report and seeing it through to the end. They always come to the first service, and in the first service, they were, in fact, they were standing this morning at the altar time, right where Tony and Haley are standing. And that was Annette and Harry Humbert. Annette, a couple of years ago, those of you who know her, was diagnosed with cancer. In fact, medically speaking, she's not supposed to still be with us. What she had was bad. I mean bad. But Annette went before the Lord, and Annette stayed there until she got a good report. And so she just went to her doctors with her good report from the Lord. And the doctors said, well... We, 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 we can appreciate your faith and all that's okay, but we're telling you right now, you're going to have to take this chemotherapy. So she thought about it and she said, okay, that's what you think I have to do. But she said, all those side effects that you've read out, she said, I'm not going to have any of those. I've just already made up my mind. I'm not going to have any of those. I got a good report from the Lord. I know I'm, I know I'm healed. I'm okay. I'm going to make it anyway. But, but if, you know, I'm, I'm not going to disappoint my family and, and my doctor and everybody else here that thinks I ought to go through these treatments. I'll, I'll go through them, but I can tell you right now. And the doctor said, well, I'm, I'm sorry, Ms. Humbert, but you, you don't understand that the kind of chemo that we're going to have to give you is so powerful. You, you, we just, we haven't found anything that, you know, you're going to be sick and you're going to lose your hair and you're going to, and they named off all this stuff. She said, no, I'm not. No, sir. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be sick. I'm not going to lose my hair. I'm not, I'm not going to have any of that stuff. And so when, when she started her treatment, when she went in for treatment, the technician that was fixing to give her the treatment, hook up the IVs and get her started. She said, before you start, I'm going to pray. And you're going to agree with me <laughs> that, that this is not going to affect negatively any, anything in my body. It'll do what it's supposed to do positively, but, but I'm not having any side effects. And uh, she had a little problem with some of them. They, they, they said, Mr. Hum, you, you don't understand. We, we know what this is going to do. She said, no, you can't. She wouldn't let them start. If we, she said, if we have to, we'll get somebody else. But before we, and every time she went, they prayed together and agreed that what they were putting in her veins was not going to make her sick, not going to have any of the negative effects. 
Long story short, she stands before us today cancer-free. Plus, plus she has the testimony of her doctors and the nurses and the technicians and everybody that dealt with her that the most amazing thing, they can't understand it and they can't explain it, she had none of the side effects that you have from the drugs that they gave her. Why? She got a good report. She just stood on it. She said, I don't understand why I'm having to go through this. I don't understand the circumstances. I don't understand it. But I've got a report from the Lord. I'm going to stand on the report of the Lord. And God gave her victory. And now she's ministering to others. I had somebody just the other day. And I, I called, I said, Annette, I've got somebody that's having to go through what you went through and they're afraid. Can you talk to them? She's been praying with them every day since, praying for them every day since, meeting with them and praying. God's opened a whole new ministry for her to help. I don't understand. There's a lot of things in life I don't understand. I don't understand some of the trials that we go through. I don't understand some of the circumstances that we deal with. I don't understand some of the tormenting things of life that, that come our way except to say that we're in a fallen world and we deal with fallen people and we deal with sin on every hand. But I know this, the end of this book says that we win and we've got a good report from the Lord and you can stand on it today. The altar's open. If you're unsaved, I urge you to come and give your heart to Jesus today. You'll never find a greater opportunity than right now to come and give your heart to the Lord. If you're away from God, please come on back home to the Lord. He's here today, and he'll help you. You will discover when you come to the Lord that he's a loving Heavenly Father. He'll be just like the father of the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. He's waiting with open arms to receive you. And there's some of you today, I just believe with all my heart, you're going through some stuff. I don't know what it may be. Some of you may, may it, it could be job loss. Maybe you got laid off. Maybe you got terminated. You don't know what you're going to do. You don't know how you're going to make it. Let me tell you something this morning, church. Our hope is not built on Wall Street. Our hope is not built in the stock market. Our hope is not built in a job or a vocation. Our hope is built in nothing less than Jesus and his righteousness. And, and he is the one who is able. If he could take care of two and a half million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years, he can take care of you. He can take care of you. What you need to do is just come and lay it all before the Lord. Cast your cares on him and pray till you get a good report. And get up from there with a victory and Stick your head up and square your shoulders and face what you're going through and say, by the grace of God, this too shall pass, and I've got victory on the other side. Going to make it. Amen. God bless you as you pray. The altar's open.